This coming Thursday is Halloween, a day that excites most children, stresses some parents, and for some Christians, raises some eyebrows. I've been very outspoken about the fact that I don't think that there is anything objectively wrong with dressing up and going from house to house getting candy. I don't even think there's something objectively wrong with dressing up as a scary dead person. After all, that tradition is deeply rooted in the Catholic idea of memento mori, which encourages us always to remember our death. In some countries like Mexico, the Day of the Dead is a deeply Catholic tradition. And beautiful too if you think about how meaningful it is to remember those we love who have died. It's true that Halloween has lost its Eve of All Saints roots, and maybe there is some eyebrow-raising activities that take place that night, but I like to think that rather than the pagan taking over the sacred, it is that the sacred is still in there, influencing the pagan, even if people don't even know it. So I wouldn't worry about Halloween too much, except for the fact that eating too much candy is not very good for you. Who's the patron saint of indigestion? I'm Deacon Pedro, and this is the Salt and Light Hour. Hello and welcome to another all-new Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. I'm Allison Kenny. I am Billy Chan. Are you? Okay, good. So we, we are it into... It sounds like you are the saint. That I'm the saint yeah. of? Saint of the the the, the patron saint. Oh, the patron saint of indigestion. Yeah. yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> you didn't end with a question mark. Yeah. You ended with a. Who's the patron saint of indigestion? Should I have record do that commentary again? <laughs> okay, guys, I am not the saint of indigestion. The <laughs> not patron yet, saint of indigestion. <laughs> <laughs> not yet. I'm still Never alive. Know that you're a saint. Anyway, well, I'm glad that you guys are listening to the opening of, of the show. Mm-hmm. Love your um, voice. Thank you. Thank you, Billy. <laughs> He's got a good voice. So, it's true. Thank you. Yes. Yes. <laughs> anyway, so we're we're here with with an all-new uh, f- episode of mm-hmm. the Salt and Light Hour um, regular program. Um, uh, Billy, sorry, news. News is before Billy. Of course. Um, Allison is here with our news. Do we have any, any, do you want to give a little teaser on what's coming in the news? Happy news? Well, well, a statue was thrown into the Tiber. Oh, We're going to yes, get I into why that. and I heard about that. And all okay, that good. Very exciting things happening in Rome. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after that, after news, Sister Marie Paul is going to be with us. Ooh. She's going to be uh, giving us the windows to the soul to a new Netflix series. Oh. So uh, Sounds good. Yeah, there's always good. It's funny. She used to review movies and now she's reviewing Netflix. Yeah, that just goes, Yeah, times have changed. So that's going to be in about... 10 minutes or so and then Billy Chan questions about church for dummies yeah church for dummies okay question from uh, my fans yes all of my fans yes and one of the questions about relic we are going to talk about that okay and this is a follow up from last week follow up from last week about architecture of a church Okay, good. Very good. So, good. All that is important, but yes. I wanted to get to this because this is going to take a while getting through. And I'm glad Allison is here because you read this book already. So, wow. So, uh, what do you guys think here? I'm going to just show the book for those of you that are uh, watching on Facebook Live. Annunciation. Okay. How, how do you think the Annunciation is a story that points to the fact that there is a God? Whoa, putting wow. us on the spot wow. there. <laughs> yeah, because I had never... Okay, so I read this this book. It's by Sally Reed. We met Sally Reed about three years ago when she had just published her conversion story, uh, um, A Night... What's Night's it Bright Darkness. Night's Bright Darkness. Which Thank is great. You. It's People a great story, yeah, and a great interview. 
from three years ago on the Salt and Light Hour. And then she wrote this book that Allison loves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really That doesn't mean that it. I didn't love it, but but she's a woman, <laughs> and there's something about this book that I think maybe appeals more to women. She wrote it to, as if she's speaking to her daughter, who was having issues and difficulties surrounding whether she should really go through with being confirmed in the church if oh. she wasn't 100% sure if she believed what so the church a, taught. It's and a in faith God. crisis, something yeah, like this, right? Well, yeah. But, but, but yeah, it is, but it isn't, because okay. I don't think, and we'll, we'll ask Sally uh, when we speak to her uh, later in the program, um, I don't think her her daughter was really having a crisis okay. of faith. She was preparing for her first communion. I mean, she's mm-hmm. seven years she old. She was just, I think, a bit confused um, about oh, okay. whether her actions aligned with what she believed. But mm-hmm. also because when Sally converted herself, her daughter was four years old. Uh-huh. So then how does her mother's mm-hmm. conversion influence and change things for the child? And then now that the child is living in a Catholic home, the mother's very ca- the mother's very Catholic. Uh-huh. Um, how does that influence the daughter? And so, but but all that I think is good and interesting mm-hmm. in itself. But to go back to the connection with the Annunciation, yeah. because all that in itself could be an interesting book. Of yeah. Course, yeah. So then, what's the connection with the Annunciation? So that's why my question is about, you know, like <laughs> what is the Annunciation? Because because she 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 goes through the story of the Annunciation as she explains all these important things of the faith and why we should hang on to faith and to God through the story of the Annunciation, which is why I'm thinking that there's something about the Annunciation that intrinsically like points to the fact that there is a God mm. and that gives us faith in a, For bro- me it's always, in a broken world. Annunciation is always about why do I say yes to God? That That's a good point. Yeah, always. Yeah. You, you know what, um, Billy? You don't have to read the book anymore because <laughs> I actually think that that's exactly what it's about. It's true, though, and it's yeah. not about the imposition of God upon somebody. It's exactly. somebody choosing to believe and yes. choosing to be in relationship. Yes. Be, it done to, be, it, be it done unto me according to your word. That's what we yeah. should all be saying every day, all mm-hmm. the time, right? Trusting all God. All the time. Okay, so all that's coming up with Sally Reed in about 25 minutes. Sally Reed. Uh, uh, Annunciation, A Call to Faith in a Broken World, published by Ignatius. Um, and then at the end of the program, guess what? A song. Well, yeah, we will have a song <laughs> at the end of the program. I'm thinking, what? Um, yeah, always there. Yeah, we're always going to have a, a, a featured artist at the end of the program. And this week, we're going to be reconnecting with singer-songwriter Marie Miller. Okay. Oh, you I might- love her. I didn't know that, so that's exciting. Marie, everything. Marie Miller, I love her too. <laughs> I love her too, and I love the fact that she's a mandolin player. Did you know she's a mandolin player? I didn't player? know that. I know. If you listen to her music, there's always mm, occasionally a mandolin in it. Little... She's the playing it. Wow. So she's a mandolin player. Um, Marie's working on a new album. It's called Little Dreams. The album's going to drop, I, I, from what I understand, sometime in March. But she has some tracks that she shared with us so that wow. we can listen to them before Ooh. anybody else. Okay, so I'll definitely be so listening can hear, to the show. You can, you can hear it right <laughs> yeah. here uh, on the Salt and Light Hour before anybody else. Um, so we're going to be catching up with Marie Miller at the end of the program to learn more about the album and to find out what else she's been working on. So that's all coming up uh, very soon. But first... <laughs> A song. No. <laughs> We're going to start with a song. Um, here's Marie Miller with Imaginary Friend from her new album, Little Dreams. He held on for a moment 
still trying to let go All the dreams I had been dreaming Came alive in light green eyes I don't even know who you are Every hole I fill with stars But they shatter the dark That was Maureen Miller with Imaginary Friend from her new album, Little Dreams. And we're going to be speaking with Maureen Miller at the end of the program. In about five minutes, Windows to the Soul with Sister Marie Paul Curley. But first, Allison is still here hello, with hello. our news. Hello. So, um, a statue was thrown in the Tiber. Yes. So, a video was posted online, I think maybe originally on Twitter. Um, it seems to have really blown up on Catholic Twitter, as these yes. things tend to, because yes. it's a bit of a... A controversial or contentious place, I guess yeah. you could say, with a man taking what some people have described as a pacha mama yeah. 
idol, yep. um, which is supposedly represents a goddess from Mother Andy Earth and, and Mother, Mother Earth, Earth, right? Mother Earth, yeah. yeah um, so a pagan type yeah. of symbol that was at um, Santa Maria in Transpontina in Rome mm-hmm. and throwing it into the Tiber River. Now, that figure, it's been very controversial. It was first um, appeared, first was at, a tree planting ceremony at the start of the Synod. Okay, yeah. That was sort of a symbolic thing. And a woman presented it to the Pope and presented it as Our Lady of the Amazon. But then Getty Images, who took a photo, Uh, presented it as, oh, here, this is a statue of the Pachamama. Now, this speaks a lot to, people are saying, oh, it's syncretism, it's blending paganism with you know, with Catholicism, but think of all the indigenous representations we have of Mary or the enculturated representations we have of, of Mary. You know, are you going to say it's wrong to... It's complicated. It's complicated. And one, you know, one thing I saw was somebody looking at an infant of Prague statue and they said, I have no way, shape or form, any type of belief that Jesus looked like this little boy in a white boy in a cape with a crown on. And yet if this helps you to connect Mm -hmm. with Christ, who am I to judge your representation of how you perceive Jesus? Mm -hmm. And so he was saying here, if someone is saying, this is how I see Mary as she would be in the Amazon is that I think that's wrong then to tell the, to, those people to, they can't yeah. yeah that they're wrong and that they can't have a version of Mary that looks like that yeah now of course we don't want idol worship but no, no one was worshiping that statue no no you're right especially if they're saying that it's a it's a representation of Mary um, yeah, you're right. Anyway. Yeah, I okay, also saw so, comments but, online as well of people saying, you know, how can you claim to be pro-life and yet you're throwing a statue of a pregnant woman into the Tiber yeah. River, right? Okay, so that, you know, it's the, we don't want to open up a whole can of worms hand. there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> wow. There are more important things right, right, exactly. happening this in the world. world this yeah. world is a place that needs needs greater care about things than just statues, in my humble opinion. Did they fish it out? Do you know? I think that they broke it up into pieces and, oh my and, and then threw it in. So it's it's not ever going to come back. And I've heard that the Vatican or whoever owns that particular church may be considering taking legal action. Right. So we'll, yeah, well, we'll see how vandalism. that. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And okay. theft. Yeah. Hmm. So we'll see how that story okay. uh, progresses. Fun. Other than that, you know, the closing mass of the Synod is tomorrow, October 27th. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So we'll get to hear the Pope's words during that. And there should be the document coming out um, uh, shortly after um, the document produced by the Synod. And then, you know, in another part of the world, uh, Northern Ireland, abortion has officially been decriminalized. And same-sex marriage is now to be legalized. So that was a big thing in Northern Ireland that happened um, this past week, and it came into force, um, well, it hasn't come into force, I should say. The first same-sex weddings in Northern Ireland will be taking place in February of 2020, and the government has until the end of March 2020 to come up with regulations for the provision of abortion services. Wow. Now, a lot of, you mm-hmm. know, of course, Northern Ireland's an interesting area politically and socially. A lot of people were saying, well, this is the English imposing their will upon yeah. the Catholics in the region. And it's, so it's that's also ignited a firestorm of controversy. Interesting. You'd think that Northern Ireland would have gone that way before the Republic of Ireland because mm-hmm. the Republic of Ireland is the Catholic state and Northern Ireland is are the Protestants. But anyway, right, of course, interesting. So. Um, 
Well, that's good. Yeah, you know what? I think the whole world is going in that direction, unfortunately. Yeah, it's it is very unfortunate and distressing, especially when there's so much there is opposition yes. to that that exists and mm-hmm. yet they're not being listened to. Yeah. So the Catholic bishops of Northern Ireland have have lamented that development. Right. And rightly so. All right. Well, thank you, Allison. Allison Kenny with our news this week. You can follow her at the Allison Kenny. Coming up is Sister Marie Paul Curley with uh, a Netflix series that she's going to review, and then Billy Chan with a question about relics. So don't go anywhere. Hi, everybody. This is Father Robert Barron of Word on Fire Catholic Ministries. You're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. God bless you all. My name is Deacon Pedro. The Salt and Light Hour is available as a podcast on Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play. Search for the Salt and Light Hour Catholic Podcast and take the show with you wherever you go. Now it's time for Windows to the Soul with Sister Marie Paul Curley. Sister Marie Paul, welcome back to the program. Oh, it's great to be here with you again, Deacon Pedro. I'm actually really excited about what we're going to talk about today. Yes, so am I, because, yeah, because I don't know anything about this particular series. Um, I want to start by asking you a question. You know, Lives of Christ on the screen are really, you know, they come under close scrutiny. They're very hard to do well. Um, Do you have a favorite? Oh, absolutely. Jesus Christ Superstar. Oh. Jesus Christ Superstar, hands down, is the best <laughs> screen. That's a great choice. It's Tell not, well, it's not necessarily true to the gospel. It's not necessarily a Christian, I would say, um, uh, interpretation. At the same time, there are some very interesting insights that I think really can help us deepen our faith. Um, even though it's written by, you know, people that are not really Christian or anything. I just think it's a great film. It's a great film. Uh, from a I film point of view, it's you, a great film. Yeah, I think that's a great description of it. Well, I, I have something really different for you today, and uh, it is the first attempt at a multi-season TV series on the life of Christ. Okay. It's called The Chosen. Uh-huh. And you may have heard of it. It's not yet available in Canada. They're talking about it being available next year. Okay. And it's very unusual in how it came about. The series is crowdfunded. Oh. Thousands of individuals what? have contributed over $11 million so that the filmmakers who promised to make a reverent life of Christ, so that the filmmakers could produce the first season, which is four episodes, just four episodes. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, the, it's written and directed by filmmaker Dallas Jenkins, who describes himself as a, you know, a passionate, Bible-believing evangelical. So he's coming at it from a perspective of faith. Um, and I, I, do, I read on their website that the scripts are reviewed by a Catholic priest, mm-hmm. a Jewish rabbi who believes in Jesus, and an evangelical scripture scholar as well. So it's, it's got quite a great background in terms of, uh, of development. But what I really wanted to talk about is the fact that this is a reverent and a creative and imaginative, well-done production about the life of Christ. Hmm. And it's really told through the eyes of four disciples of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would let you guess, but we wouldn't have time. So mm-hmm. uh, they're very Magdalene. Yeah. Nicodemus, mm-hmm. oh. Matthew, the huh. tax collector, yeah. and Peter, of course, of course, because Peter is a larger-than-life apostle in yes. the Gospels. Interesting. And 
these first four episodes take their time developing non-scriptural, the backstory of these characters before they met Jesus. Hmm. So you um, so you may agree with the, with that backstory or not, but it is imaginative and it makes them real. Right. It makes them uh, come to Jesus in the middle of their life, like they they encounter Jesus in the middle of their life. Uh-huh. Um, and then, of course, you have uh, some encounters with Christ during these first four episodes. Um, Interesting. Uh, my personal favorite is the first one, uh, the first episode. I think it's the strongest of the four. Uh, they're different in length. Um, the first, I think two of them are about an hour, and then two of them are about 40 minutes. So they haven't, you know, it's not your, it's not cut in a mold kind of a television series. Okay. It's really, um, uh, they're really focusing on the story and making it compelling. Fascinating. And, um, and it's reverent. It's, it's, it's. I mean, in terms of the Christology or how it approaches Christ, it's probably a bit more on the horizontal side, you know, focusing more on Jesus' humanity. But how could you not do that if you're mm-hmm. doing a screen and on a movie or yeah, a television yeah, series yeah. about Jesus? Like, you, if you show miracles, what do you show? A flash of light? I mean, you yeah, know, like, yeah, yeah. you know, so <laughs> there are miracles in it, of course, but it, but it is very reverent. So I do, I, I think it's really worth seeing. Um, the the filmmakers recommend it for for you know older teens and adults. I think in today's media world where kids are watching practically anything, mm. I think nine and ten year olds for the most part could probably watch it um, without a problem. Um, yeah. But um, you know, but I mean, it would be up to the discussion of the parents and what their children are you okay. know ready for. Okay. Um, the only other thing I wanted to mention is that it's unusual in how to access it. Okay, so yeah. to, the best way uh, to access it um, here in the United States for now and hopefully in the near future in Canada and other places is go to the website, thechosen.tv. Mm-hmm. So that's the name of the show, thechosen.tv. And it has directions there. Right now it's available to view, all four episodes are available to view for free if you download the app and watch it on your iPad or okay. phone or whatever. But the first episode is free to stream no matter where you see it. Okay. And uh, it's, it's, it's well worth seeing and, um, and uh, kind of seeing the Gospels come to life. Okay, good. So it's not Netflix. I was confused. Um, so that's interesting that, that people, I guess the way we consume media is changing so much. So this is probably going to be very common uh, in the years to come. Um, yeah. Thank you, yeah, sister. So, yeah, the streaming platform is VidAngel. Yeah. And it's, uh, they're, they, um, they're trying to do family-friendly um, programming and, um, and a variety of other things. But, okay. um, but they are the ones who picked this up and really encouraged, uh, from what I understand, they encouraged the filmmaker Dell Jenkins to, to, to go forward with the series. Interesting. Help them come up with the idea of crowdfunding. All right. So. Really, really interesting. I'm going to, uh, if the first episode is available to watch anywhere, we can at least start with that one and we'll see uh, here in Canada whenever it's available. But uh, clearly it's available in the States. And for all our listeners in the States, you can uh, go to thechosen.tv and uh, follow the instructions there and uh, see if you agree with Sister Marie Paul. Absolutely. I'd love to hear <laughs> feedback, other people's feedback on the show. Okay. It'd be great to hear. Very good. Thank you very much, sister. 
Okay. Take care, Deacon Pedro, and, and everybody out there in the audience. Thank you. Sister Marie Paul is with the Congregation of the Daughters of St. Paul, and you can read her blog at windowstothesoul.wordpress.com, and you can follow her at Sister M. Paul. Coming up is Church for Dummies, so stay tuned. Hi, this is Sarah Hart, and you are listening to the Salt and Light Hour with the very awesome Deacon Pedro. I'm Deacon Pedro. You can write to us to share your thoughts, radio at saltandlighttv.org, or you can find me at Deacon Pedro through Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. And now it's time for... Church for Dummies. With Billy Chan with a question about... About relic. Relics. So, you know, we talk about uh, the church, the, what is the minimum requirement to have a church, you know, to build a church. Yeah, to build a church. Last time. Yeah. Uh, we still didn't have any, like, you know, confirmed answer, but we know there's some... Some, yeah, some, nobody wrote in to, to say that they're a church architect. Yeah, something that is required, for example, the altar, right? Yes, I think we the, know altar that. the altar has to be there. Yes. But, um, you know, uh, every time, no, I think every time when Mass end, and mm-hmm. you can see the priest actually kiss. Yeah, at the beginning and at the end. The altar, right? Yes, And I know that inside the altar, there is relic. There should be one. Why? Why um, there is a relic there? Okay, so let me back up. Yes, because I actually do know this because this is basic uh, liturgy. Um, so you're right that the the, the 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 focal point of all ch- Catholic churches is the altar. And the altar represents the altar is a symbol of Christ. Ah, okay. So, um, which is which is why we kiss it. But hold on a second. So it's it's the altar has to be anointed or consecrated with holy chrism, which is the oil that's used for baptisms, confirmations, Uh and ordinations Mm -hmm. when the church is consecrated. So maybe people have seen images of the bishop or even the pope, you know, rubbing uh, alcohol, rubbing oil, (laughs) oil, which is the chrism, holy chrism on the altar. Okay. Okay. And then, so that has to happen. And then all altars should contain a relic. And this is actually in the general instruction on the Roman Missal, wow. number 302. Okay. And it's also canon 1237. Um, usually it's the patron saint of the parish, but it doesn't have to be. Okay, the custom dates back to the time when Mass in Rome would be celebrated in the catacombs. Mm-hmm. So, so when early Christians would celebrate the Mass in the catacombs where the other Christians were yeah. buried, mm-hmm. like literally they were celebrating Mass with the bones yeah, 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 of yeah, the yeah. saints, right? So having a relic in the altar is a reminder that when we celebrate Mass, we do it in together with the communion of saints. Wow. Okay. So, but is it obligation? Um, it, 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 okay. So this is, this, and I think I said something last week too, that it yeah. should be done, but it's not necessary. Uh-huh. So yes, all, all altars should have a relic, but it's possible that if you can't find one, you don't have one, right? So if your parish altar does not have a relic, it's likely that, that they couldn't acquire one, or maybe there is one and you just don't know that it's there. The reason I ask is because of, uh, you know, sometimes we actually go to a camp and uh, we have we will have mass in a hall yeah, yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and, that's you know, different. We don't, we don't need that, right? No, that's different, and you don't need anything else, actually. Okay. You, don't need, you can do it outside. Remember we talked about it being yes. covered? Yes, So you can have mass on the beach or whatever. Now, it's, it's some people would say that it's not ideal and that you need the bishop's permission. You don't. You can have Mass anywhere. Okay. Um, but there are certain things that you need for Mass, like somewhere to, that function as an yes, altar. The... You need a crucifix. You need candles. You need uh, the, the linens and, and things like that. Um, yeah. When you talk about the oil, yeah. can I, can, uh, is, is the oil sim- uh, symbolize the protection of, uh, of, of the altar? Can I say that? Um, when we use oil, the same meaning is a protection from, from, from something. 
I've never heard it that way. Okay. The, the, the oil represents strength. Okay. Um, and it dates back to the time when the gladiators would, would grease themselves uh-huh. to show how strong they were. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. yeah. So yeah. That's, and the, that's where that oil comes from. And that's I why see. that oil is used for ordinations, for confirmation. It's used in baptism. For every, every, everywhere, um, I think. Uh, like when you have the priest, when the, when the ordination of a priest. Yeah, for ordinations yes. or consecrations. The anointing of the sick is a different oil. It's the, oh, the, okay. the oil of the sick. It's oh. a different oil. But, it, but this one symbolizes strength. So in that sense, I guess, yeah, protection, making it stronger. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, a, it's, 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 it's to sacramentalize, ritualize the consecration, the dedication of the altar. Mm. And then, yeah, and, and I was just going to say that, yeah, so not only do the priest and the deacon uh, kiss the altar, we reverence the altar, yeah. but the ministers, everybody bows to the altar. So you come into the to Mass, yes, you, bow. you bow to the altar, you genuflect to the tabernacle. Yes. Right, so when yes. people bow, sometimes you go up to do one of the readings and you bow to the yes. priest. You shouldn't bow to the priest; you bow to the altar uh-huh. because it's a symbol of Christ. Oh, right? Okay. Um, that that's that's really as simple as it is. That's good. Okay. That's there you, good. There you go, Billy Chan, with lots of good questions. You can uh, ask him questions or follow him at B Joe Chan. Coming up in our second half hour, a call to faith in a broken world, and we reconnect with singer-songwriter Marie Miller, so stay tuned. Three years ago, we met author Sally Reed, who told us about her fascinating conversion story in her book, Night's Bright Darkness. When Sally Reed converted, her daughter Flo was four years old. Needless to say, her conversion made a difference in her daughter's life. Now Reed has a new book that she's written to her daughter, Compelling Reasons for Holding On to God and the Church. The book is titled, Annunciation, A Call to Faith in a Broken World. And to tell us more and to explain how the Annunciation is an ongoing event in the life of every believer, I am now joined by Sally Reed from her home in Rome. Sally, so good to talk to you again. It's so good to be here. So you began writing this book just for your daughter? Did it it begin that way? Well, it came out of a very genuine and urgent need. Um, I think if you're a writer, you never write anything without... (laughs) A lot of kind of, uh, you do everything very seriously. Right, but it, yeah. but I, it seriously is to my daughter. So yes, it did start out just as a letter to her. And then and as then I began evolved. to write it, yeah. yeah. As I began to write it, I sort of realized that this was useful for me as well. And then I thought, oh, actually, this is useful for lots of people. Because, and I don't mean it, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I mean, it doesn't, it, do, it doesn't read like you're writing it to a 13-year-old. I mean, you're writing it to someone as sophisticated as as me, as you, people even, you know, someone who understands certain things about theology and, 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 you know, so in that sense, I thought, I wondered if you had made yourself kind of expanded to a wider audience? No, I tell you what that was about. I mean, this, this, the impulse behind this is very sincere. And yeah. because my daughter is, is very, um, how can I put it? Uh, she's very uh, demanding in her questions and she's very <laughs> yeah. thorough. Well, I knew like she's that very because mature, I wrote it yeah. for her when she's going to be a grown-up. Yeah, I, knew I had right. to explore every single yes. angle and possibility. Yeah. yeah, no, and I figured that, that, that uh, Flo is probably going to be reading this book 
over and over again. And as she, the older she gets, a lot of things will sort of fall into place as well. Um, um, why, why the Annunciation? Did you begin with the Annunciation story and out of that came everything else? Or did you be, begin thinking, I would like to write my daughter about certain things and then discovered that there was a, a deep connection with that Annunciation story? Well, this is one of the mysteries of creation. I can't remember. <laughs> you know, it really came, in, it came through prayer, and it came in a very whole way. Yeah. Um, but what I, yes. what I can tell you is that the Annunciation for me has always been um, an event that I've been obsessed with ever since before my conversion. So even when I was an atheist, I wrote poetry about the Annunciation. Right. And since I've converted, I've written about the Annunciation. So it was evidently something within me. And somehow, I just, it, the whole thing came to me entire. Like, all of a sudden, I could see how Wonderful. the stages yeah. of the spiritual life are so much a part of every stage of the Annunciation, because Mary goes through kind of yeah, everything of I know. in those minutes. No, I know. And, uh, you know, I mean, uh, well, I don't know if you know, but we just had the last World Youth Day was in Panama, and the theme of the last World Youth Day was, um, here I am, the handmaid of the Lord, be it done to me according to your word. So we'd been reflecting on that theme as we prepared for World Youth Day for so long. So I've heard so many wonderful reflections about just that one line and that whole event, but I'd never heard some of the reflections that you share, the way you, and in particular, I mean, in particular, the title, like how is the Annunciation a call to faith in a broken world? Well, really, that's about my call to my own daughter, because the world is so fractured, and mm -hmm. more than ever before, we know we think we're in control of absolutely everything, and we think we can design our lives and change our sex and do whatever we like, right. and the world is really broken. So really, that's to her. But I keep coming back in the book to the fact that every believer is going through an annunciation in every day and every moment of their lives because we're constantly being asked to say yes to God. Yes. And that, I believe, is very pertinent. You see, okay, this, yeah. this month in the church is the month of mission. Yes. Well, well to me, yes. the mission is in my home <laughs> mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. my husband doesn't particularly believe and my daughter can always see that he doesn't go to Mass. And so it's a constant evangelizing right. and a constant getting her to give her consent to God. Mm -hmm. So it's about that fact that we're all constantly called to give a fiat, which actually is really beautiful and helpful to us in our state, because it's very helpful to think when you get up in the morning, painful as it is to get out of bed, this mm -hmm. is my fiat. You know, yeah. this is where God has put me. This is what I have to do. Yeah, no, I think that that's beautiful and simple. And you're right. It, in, in, in a way, it summarizes our whole Christian experience relationship with God. Um, if people are joining it at this time, you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. I'm speaking with author Sally Reed about her new book, Annunciation, A Call to Faith in a Broken World. Um, Sally, in chapter four, which by far my favorite chapter, um, it's called Let It Be Done to Me According to Your Word. You reflect on, on what it's like for a woman to be pregnant and how that experience in itself has to be one of trust. And I guess that's what you meant. Well, I don't know if that's what you meant, but because you said you were obsessed with the Annunciation even before you became a Christian. How much yeah. of that had to do with your pregnancy experience? Or I mean, the fact that a, a, as soon as a woman is pregnant, it becomes a, an experience of trust. Yeah, which is something that as an atheist, as, a, as an anxious atheist, <laughs> yeah. I, can, I can really talk about because um, if you, oh gosh, if you have no faith when you get pregnant and you think you're in control of everything and you know a certain amount in scientific terms, but not all that much, it's, it's a recipe for disaster. You know, I was so obsessed with everything that could have been wrong with the baby, right. everything that could go wrong generally, and I was an, I was an absolute wreck. And, and I write in the book about a particular concern that I had, yeah. and then how I felt, I suddenly realized I had no choice. That was like a, the, the first tiny step to conversion, because it was my first experience of trust. 
Yeah, that's that's amazing. That that's amazing. So it means that what a lot of people say. That, I mean, God has written Himself into our hearts, and it's the, He's there whether we know Him or not, or yeah. whether we know it or not. And and He will reveal Himself in whichever way um, He needs to, as as or whatever way we need to, I guess. Um, who is this book for? I mean, obviously, it's not just for flow. It's but it's is it mostly for. And I hate to say this, but do you find that it's mostly an experience that women can relate more with? I don't know. I mean, obviously, it's from a mother to a daughter, so we, we, I do talk about things like pregnancy, but I actually think it's pretty universal. And I'll, I'll, I'll tell you a secret. The, yeah. the title was originally Annunciation for My Daughter. Oh. And, and it was Ignatius, the publisher, who said, you know what, we don't think you should because it's, then it sounds like it's just for girls. And it right. isn't just for girls, it's, it's for everybody. So I would have to trust them because they have a more objective view on that. Mm-hmm. I think it really is, I mean, you would know because you're a guy and you've read it. Um, I think it's about any of anybody who is, in, who is involved in a relationship with God and has experienced the closeness of being with God and, and the, the phases when we feel spiritually dry and when we suffer from anxiety right. and all those different things. Do you think it's a book that people can use... I mean, obviously, I do consider it in in the genre of spiritual reading, um, but that I can that I don't have to read from beginning to end, but I can maybe open one chapter and just read a bit, and that that that's maybe a good way to approach it. Yeah, I don't. Well, mm, yeah, I'm not sure. I <laughs> I would of course say you have to read it from beginning to end because you know. But no, I think you're right, and I, I like the design of the book, um, which isn't a superficial point. It's a, it's a small book, the yeah. way they've designed it, and it's like you can put it in your bag. And um, Father Gregory, who's kind of my spiritual director and friend, said, oh, that's really good because I think it's the kind of book people would take to, to adoration or right. to read on the train. And I think, yeah, I think, in fact, with my daughter, we read it from beginning to end together, and then she's coming up with all kinds of questions again, and, and I'm starting to take a page or a section at a time and, and, to, and read it aloud to her mm-hmm. at bedtime. Can I ask you a little bit about, about the experience of, of being a a, a Catholic convert with a husband who's not a believer and trying to help your daughter navigate through that. And I know that, yeah. I mean, clearly that's where the book comes from. But as you said, it's a daily, a daily living. Um, my wife is also not Catholic um, wow. and we have two boys. And, but that wasn't, a, 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 I mean, maybe um, different people are different. So I didn't find that that was a constant uh, issue in our home. But can you tell maybe there are some listeners that are going through that experience um, and struggling through it? Yeah, I, I think it's difficult. And I think it's good when people can say that these things are difficult. Yeah. And sometimes we pray so hard and so regularly, and then we're disappointed when things don't happen. Mm. And we have, to, we have to look to people like St. Monica. Yeah. And we have to remember that God, can do, God does things in his own time. Mm-hmm. And then I would say to people, because there's this oft-quoted piece of research that says, um, if the father attends mass, then it's you know much more likely that the children will attend mass yes. and all of that. And that's a that's a good thing to it bear is, in mind. Yeah, it is. But true. I would say to the women out there who are doing this on their own, you know, with God, nothing is impossible. No. And I mean, when I think about Flo, I was so worried about her when I started writing the book. And a couple of years on, um, I had to be out of town on Sunday in Rome for some work, so I went to mass in Rome and. Mm-hmm. And I left Flo here in, in town where we live, and, and I said to her, look, you know, I, I leave it to you. You, don't, you can't drive, you're a minor, so if you don't get to Mass, it's not a mortal sin, but I leave it to you. And she, she told her dad, you know, drive me to Mass. Mm-hmm. 
you know so n- nothing is impossible we just have to we just have to it's very much about example i think right. it's very much about you know if you love god so much and and they see you pray then it means an awful lot mhm yeah and i think that that goes back to that fiat that um trusting and also patience mary must have had a lot of patience i think um yeah. Sally, that's all the time we have. So thank you. Thank you so much for uh, for writing the book. I'm, I think I'm going to have to read it a couple more times because there were some things in there that um, needed a little more reflection on my part. But uh, um, it's a beautiful, beautiful book. And uh, thank you for sharing your experience with us today. Well, thank you. Sally Reed is the author of Night's Bright Darkness, A Modern Conversion Story, and also three books on poetry published by Blood Axe books. She's a poet in residence at the Hermitage of the Three Holy Hierarchs, and she lives with her family near Rome. Her new book, Annunciation, A Call to Faith in a Broken World, is published by Ignatius. Here now is our featured artist of the week, Marie Miller, with the title track of her new album, Little Dreams. Afraid No, I'm not afraid Even though I'm tired Even though I'm lost Well Things aren't going well I've forgotten my own name But there's one light blue flame Still inside of me Just try and knock the wind right out of me. 
That was Marie Miller with Little Dreams from her album of the same name. We last spoke to Marie Miller three years ago. It doesn't seem like it was that long ago, but she had just released her album Letterbox. Marie burst into the scene six years ago when her single You're Not Alone rose to the top of the Christian adult contemporary charts. Her music, as we've been listening, is a beautiful blend of folk, pop, and country, and so it's so good to hear that she's working on a new album, Little Dreams. It's not out yet, but Marie graciously let us play three songs to get you excited about it. And to tell us more, we are now joined by Marie Miller from her home in Nashville. Marie, welcome back to the Sultan Light Hour. It is so wonderful to be back. Thank you're, you for having you're me. You're so nice to me. Um, <laughs> what, what, what is different about this album for you? Uh, a lot of things. It's my first independent project, so uh-huh. I've been with a record label, Um, yeah. I really started out in music, mm-hmm. and it was a beautiful time and, and a lot of great memories, but I was really ready to do something that was creatively uh, exactly what I wanted to do, and okay. so not to think about, would this work on what radio station, or would this work for opening for this artist, but just to create music and art, and so... Uh, it just made sense to do this on my own because there's uh-huh. so much pressure to to make money. Really, is a big thing for yeah. for that. And I'm just, it's just this is a true coming home to me. It's like as you you know heard in the first song, it's very much. Uh, there's a lot of mandolin. Um, yeah. The lyrics are very are more serious, uh, mm-hmm. and just a lot more of who I am. Right. Record. Did you did you I'm very excited. did you find that working with a label that it was there was a lot of pressure to or or that you felt even if they weren't being specific about what they wanted if they that you had to sort of make sure that things were appealing more than just your own. Um, yeah. Creation. Yeah. I mean, I think that yeah. this is the way it is because you know, as artists, you're supporting a whole company. You know, that's what the goal is, and yeah. uh, even though I had a very kind label that wanted me to be. Cr- as creative as possible. Yeah. We were just hitting walls. And so it was, even though I love the last album, yeah. uh, Letterbox, yes. which was the last record that I did with my label, mm-hmm. it still was kind of a fight because there's copy and I like that, but it wasn't really where I wanted to go. And so okay. finally I was like, well, okay, let's do something. You know, if I fall flat on my face, at least I can say I took that step. Right. <laughs> you know, and what happened yeah no and thank god we live in in a world now where it's easier to do it yourself too i mean that's uh mm-hmm. that's so true why why did you call it little dreams i just uh, exactly in in that same vein uh-huh. um was this idea that uh, i was afraid to make the music um that i felt called in my heart to make because um i didn't think it could be big enough or important enough Um, for the world, um, but what I'm realizing is that each of us, um, whether we become famous musicians or popes or um, presidents of the United States, whatever it's going to be, yeah. um, is that in our communities and in our families, um, that our dream um, that God's placed in our heart is uh, unique and beautiful, and it doesn't matter how small it feels to us, mm-hmm. um, is that it's important and uh, that our God is a dreamer, and that he has incredible dreams for us, even if they seem little to us. 
Yeah, no, that's beautiful. And Pope Francis is always telling people, don't you know, have don't be scared to have dreams and to fulfill it. To you know, to fight for your dreams, to go for your dreams. Mm-hmm. Um, do you, are you are you always writing music? Like, what's your process? Are you always writing, or like, when do you decide that it's time to do a new album? Mm. Yeah, I'm kind of always writing, but um, I try to get music out as much as I can. It's actually been they've been longer. And I wanted to. That was another thing with the record label is that I wanted music out sooner. And so I'm excited oh, because, right. you know, this this uh, album, a full length, will come out in March. Mm. But, uh, you know, uh, hopefully then we'll kind of start working on something maybe in the sooner time uh, to bring out new music. And so, so yeah. So, But I'm always writing. Yeah. Um, because I just really like to do it. It, it happens very easily and naturally because I just love it. But but you set out, but this one specifically, did you set out to write? It's like, I'm going to write an album and it's going to be, or did you already have some songs that you thought they kind of need a place and they're reflecting kind of where I am in my life, my dreams? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, is that how it came together? Mostly, uh, it actually did come together the latter. Like you're saying like, okay, I need to now make a collection of things that are okay. really who I am right now. Yeah. But there are a few little like... Uh, ones that some of the songs I did write uh, uh, more like like the uh, song on Homeland that we're gonna play. Yeah, we're gonna play out. at the end. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. In September that came out, and that one is, yeah, that one is uh, something I wrote a while ago, but mm-hmm. it was just something that wasn't allowed to be heard um, because it was too folky. Interesting. It was too, you know, uh, different right. than what we needed. And so Interesting. I'm excited because. Like one of my favorite songs. It is actually. It's a great song. I'm I'm very excited to end the show with it. Actually, um, if anybody's tuning at this time, we're listening. You're listening to the Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. We're speaking with uh, Marie Miller. She's our featured artist this week, and we're talking about her new album, Little Dreams. Um, you've been involved in a project or with a, an organization called Imprint Hope in Uganda. Mm-hmm. I've seen some of your blog posts and some pictures. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, so Imprint Hope um, was started by a woman named Claire Byrne, who's about my age. She's 32. Uh-huh. I just turned 30 this year. Yeah. And she is an, an amazing person um, and is an occupational therapist that went to Uganda just for a mission trip, fell in love with the people there, and um, wanted to start an organization that helped children with disabilities, not only in a physical way, um, by teaching their families about the disability, how to treat it, mm-hmm. um, to give them wheelchairs and to um, give them therapy, but also because the culture in Uganda is that if you have a disability, then that you are uh, worthless and that mm-hmm. a lot of women are pressured to leave these children in dumpsters and fields um, and abandon them um, because they think that they're cursed or something. Right. And so she also is uh, there educating and, and letting everyone know that every life is precious. And uh-huh. I have a little sister with Down syndrome, and so my heart just really okay. went out to the organization. And so um, just seeing a woman, I, I have to be honest, I'm pretty selfish, a pretty like typical millennial. <laughs> and huh. so seeing a woman that uh, radically uh, loved um, and was willing to give up all the almond milk lattes on the, in the world yeah. um, to fight for, for the good inspired me so much. Um, that we've remained friends and I work with them all the time. So you've been to Uganda? Uh, I have. Yeah? Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah, I have and I hope to go again. So, yeah. And I, she's actually in the United States promoting right now and so we're going to be working together. But at every show, I sell the jewelry um, okay. that the women make at the center and it uh, goes back to 
the money goes back to Uganda. Wonderful, wonderful. Maybe there's some some good music that's going to come out of those experiences. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm sure. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I listen to your music. I think I've always had this sense, but especially with these three tracks on this this new album, that it feels, and I don't mean in a bad way, but it feels secular. Um, mm-hmm. That the themes are not particularly Christian. Um, but do you consider yourself a Christian artist in that sense? Right. Uh, you know, I more consider myself a Christian that plays music yeah. uh, than a Christian artist. Mm-hmm. But I will say, uh, especially like Homeland, uh, which I mean, that's yeah. very, you know, people, I talk about it when I'm playing at theaters, you know, at a secular event, I'll say, oh, this song is about Lord of the Rings, because it is. Uh-huh. It's about Frodo. <laughs> okay. But really, it's about heaven. It's In Hebrews, um, they talk about the faith that people had, and they believed in a homeland yeah. uh, far greater than the, what they had here on earth. And so it's like, okay, I love that word. The song's about heaven. Mm-hmm. Of course. I and mean, you're going to hear in this record a lot more songs uh, about God and about heaven uh, because that's, again, another free thing right. to be able to say exactly what I want to say, and, and I just can't stop talking about them. Okay, wonderful. Yeah, no, you're right. Of course, I, I heard Homeland, and I thought, of course, I know what it's about. And Lord of the Rings is has its symbolism too, right? So exactly. Um, yeah. So cool. Okay, so I'm 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 glad that we're we're leaving that song for the end. Um, Marie, so good to talk to you. Thank you for oh, thank you for doing what you're doing. I maybe I'll sign up and come to Uganda with you guys. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and you can teach me to play the mandolin. How's that? I'll bring my ukulele, and you can play the mandolin. <laughs> That's a really good plan. I like it. Okay, you can good. Teach me how to have a Canadian accent. A, just say A a lot. A. Canadian yeah. A. All right. Okay, good. That was Marie Miller, eh? A. <laughs> a. All right. Keep in touch, okay? Thank you. God bless you. You too. You can learn more about Marie Miller and purchase her music at her website, mariemillermusic.com. And uh, to listen to this interview again or for the rest of the program, go to saltandlighttv.org slash radio. Here now is Marie Miller with that song we were talking about, Homeland, from her new album, Little Dreams. Listening to Marie Miller with Homeland from her new album, Little Dreams. And that will take us to the end of the program. 
Remember that if you tuned in late, you can stream or podcast all our Salt and Light Hour programs for free at saltandlighttv.org slash radio. That's also where you can learn about all our featured artists and guests. And remember that you can subscribe to the Salt and Light Hour podcast on Spotify, iTunes, and also on Google Play. If you want to reach me, you can find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just look for Deacon Pedro. You can write to me and tell me what you think of the show. Next week, we're going to be joined by beloved liturgical composer Dan Schutte, so be sure to tune in. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this has been the Salt and Light Hour. <laughs>